today for this special briefing um, on tax reform, which is a critical and important topic uh, in Washington, D.C. My name is Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined uh, by Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, <clears throat> and our friend and guest, Don O'Dell, uh, from uh, D Squared Strategies, uh, who has a long and rich history working on tax issues on the Hill. Don, we're very happy to be with you today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> Howard, I want to begin our call with uh, something that I, I don't think we can divorce ourselves from, which is the aftermath of whatever happened with health care repeal and replace. Um, I, I want to I get your take um, on, on, on that generally, because I think, I think there, as we'll get into this, there is a correlation between aspects of that and, and what we're going to preview with tax reform, uh, not, only on the, on, not only on the policy side, but on the political side. So I thought we'd start there. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I think on, on health care reform, Blake, it's a, the reason it didn't happen, it's a combination of um, a bill that was rushed, although I think people are right to ask why when you've been preparing for something for six years it was rushed. But um, a health care bill that, that wasn't ready for prime time, um, they, they did the CBO process um, uh, too late in the process. The White House was overzealous and ham-handed in the way they tried to muscle members of Congress. It was, I think, a symptom of or a manifestation of symptoms we've been talking about on these calls <laughs> for, for months and even before the election, which is you got to be set up to govern and you got to bring some people to the party who know how this town works and the administration didn't do that and paul ryden didn't, didn't have this caucus together and that's why we ended up where we ended up you know i'm reminded howard of an of an op-ed you and our colleague mark alderman wrote a, a while ago um about the things that that trump can't repeal in washington um and it and it certainly seems like reflecting on on that op-ed that not only were you right, but that the rules of Washington remain true in the aftermath of healthcare. What are your, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are certain laws of, of nature around this town. And um, Congress hates the White House. Um, the House hates the Senate. It's, I mean, there are certain laws of nature that govern how, how things come out of the, of the machine here in Washington. And, you know, I think, you, I think the Republicans have, have been out in the wilderness for a number of years now and just weren't prepared to, to lead. And, and you know, it, it certainly seems a bit, a bit surprising that if you're, if you're just looking at the political calculus to come out of the gate with, with health care in, in the manner in which they did, knowing how much time they had. Um, let's talk about political consequences. What do you see, if any, uh, political consequences to the failure of, of health care reform? Uh, Ryan and Trump are, are weakened. Um, I think the Freedom Caucus is emboldened. And those are, I think, the basic political consequences. And, and I think, look, this, I mean, they've been running on this for six years. And um, they won the election and they've gained seats in the Congress in part because of it. And they couldn't get it done. And that's really, 
really bad for them politically. The the speaker came out this morning and and said, you know, it's 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 not dead, despite what the White House has said. We're gonna we're gonna go back to the drawing board. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna try and figure this out. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, look, at Washington, it wouldn't be the first time a bill was called up and failed and got brought back up again. The program that um, I was intimately involved in, the TARP. The TARP bill failed the first time it came through the House. They took it back up and fixed it and passed it. So it's certainly not unprecedented, but it's going to be tough. And I think, look, these this does have consequences for tax reform, for other bills, infrastructure that are imperatives under this administration, this Congress, and they've got to wake up to the political reality. And and I believe the White House has to bring in some folks that know how to govern and Congress has to get realistic about managing its caucus. Paul Ryan has to get realistic about managing his caucus and then maybe they can get some things done. Don, I want to get your thoughts about about the the ramifications of of the failure of healthcare reform on tax reform. There is certainly some some discussion in the public domain that that in order for um, the dramatic tax cuts that that the speaker wanted, we had to tax we had to reform the healthcare system in order to finance those tax cuts. Um, what correlation do you see, if any, between the failure of health care reform and tax reform on, on the policy level? Well, I think what, what you just said is actually part of the problem, that we had to do health care first because the health care bill was going to raise money, and that money was going to be used to pay for tax reform. So it's an unfortunate correlation because one shouldn't necessarily have anything to do with the other but the fact of the matter was we were looking at uh, the Ryan bill the Ryan Trump bill on health care to raise close to a trillion dollars which was going to make a big dent in a tax reform bill now that's not to say that on tax reform it still can't get done in a number of of different ways uh, but not having the revenue that would be raised from ACA repeal is going to put a lot of people's pet credits and deductions and provisions on the chopping block because in order to lower the corporate tax rate, which is the most, the single most important thing uh, to Republicans uh, in both the House and the Senate, you need to pay for it, especially if you're going to use that special uh, procedure called reconciliation. Uh, it has to be paid for. And how do we pay for it? Well, if someone is going to win, getting a, a lower corporate tax rate, then someone is going to lose by getting rid of their credit in the code. So it's going to be a very messy period going th- forward. But I do feel positive about tax reform in that I don't think that ideologies will play the same role in tax reform as they did in health care reform. What do you mean by that? <clears throat> On health care reform, you had a moderate, you have, if you just look at the Republican Party, you've got a group of moderates, and then you've got a group of serious conservatives, the Freedom Caucus. Every time, and you need to get them both if you, if you want. I realize that, that they're 
in control of, of the party, uh, but everybody's got to get together. And this is the tough fight that Ryan had. It's the reason that Boehner left, because it's really hard to bring these left and right factions within the Republican Party together. So every time a piece of policy went in the ACA bill that made the moderates and the left-leaning Republicans happy, the Freedom Caucus said, no way, we're out. And then every time they put in something for the Freedom Caucus, the, they would lose, start losing votes as they whipped, which is the process of counting votes um, on, on the floor in, in Congress, both houses. Every time they whipped, they would lose someone from the left. So it was like, you know, that, that ball where you, you know, the, the, where it hits one side and goes out the other side. It hits one side and goes out. And that was where even, I mean, Trump got schooled on this, and I say that, Justin, he thought without understanding the policy and without understanding the nature of how the legis how, how Congress works, he likes to forget that there are three branches of government and his threats or his you know his his charm are not gonna get it done. Howard, I wanna I wanna bring you back into this because I I'm particularly <clears throat> intrigued by the lessons of health care and their applications to tax reform. Mm -hmm. um, because by all accounts, tax reform is not something that will come quickly, despite what uh, the Secretary of the Treasury has, has promised. Mm -hmm. So your takeaways from health care, what has the White House learned from that experience as it forges ahead? Because the, the press secretary, Sean Spicer, says we're in charge of this. That's what he, that's what he said in his briefing yesterday. Yeah, I, I don't think they've learned anything yet. <laughs> I think I think they've got to take a much more nuanced view of how to manage the Freedom Caucus in particular, which, Don, I think this is what you're suggesting. They're not as united around um, exactly. tax policy as one might think that they No, are. well, they're more united around tax policy than they were health policy. But for the fact that the White House is saying, I'm running this, I think, I think therein lies the problem. Yeah. They can The White House doesn't write legislation. The White House doesn't pass legislation. Even in 1986, which I don't like to compare this tax reform to that tax reform because mm -hmm. it's such a different world. I mean, they would put things in the bills that people wouldn't notice until weeks later. And in our 24-hour news cycle, social media stuff, everybody knows everything the second it happens. But Ronald Reagan and the White House didn't run the bill. Rostenkowski and Packwood ran the bill in 86. So for, for Trump to say, I'm controlling this, if he thought that was the problem, that he didn't have enough control, I, I think that's, that's a little misguided. Kevin Brady and, and on the House side, Kevin Brady and, and Paul Ryan should for sure be in control and, and will be in control. It's the legislature that writes the laws. That's in the Constitution, by the way. So let's talk about let's talk about what we what we might what we might see, and the civics lesson is greatly appreciated. As a moderator. Um, let's talk about what we might see in a, in a tax reform bill. We Brady has has come out and says that you know we're somewhere between eighty and ninety percent aligned in the Republican caucus, whether that's actually true or not. Yeah, I'm not sure that's um, true. Right. So, um, Don, what what are your thoughts uh, in terms of kind of set the table here? Sure. What are the big ticket items we're likely 
to to at least debate in the context of a tax reform? Um, okay. Well, to their credit, Ryan and Brady last June, when no one thought that President Trump would be President Trump, um, and the world wasn't looking at tax reform, they came out with a blueprint. There's no legislative language, but it's some very firm and thought out ideas about how to change the tax code because we have an opportunity right now, Brady likes to say that's a once in a generation opportunity to make changes that will bring manufacturing back to the United States, that will lower the unemployment rate, which is at, at pretty much an all time low for us. Um, and will really turn the tax code on its head and, and they think they need it. Um, and I give Brady and Ryan an enormous amount of credit for coming up with this thing when had no, they had no idea how tax reform would fare after the presidential election. And people in the tax world looked at it and had thoughts about it, but no one really looked at it until the morning after the election and then people had very visceral reactions. Uh, and everyone came screaming and crying to Brady and Ryan, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But um, I give them credit for doing what they did. I might not agree with everything um, in their draft, but I appreciate their vision of trying to change things. And they're getting beat up by a lot of companies in America, partly because of the ideas in their bill, and partly because it's the only thing out there to react to. We're humans. We need something to focus on and react to. And Brady, the Brady Ryan bill is, or the Brady Ryan blueprint um, is out there. And there are a few main staples on the corporate side of the Brady Ryan blueprint. The first is something called a border adjustable tax. Now, I don't know if anybody recalls when they first mentioned or when Trump first got a hold of the border adjustable tax. Some people are calling it a BAT as opposed to a VAT, which is a value added tax. When Trump first heard border adjustable tax, and I will say that if you're not in the tax world, I can completely see why Trump thought this. He thought, okay, here's Mexico, here's the United States, there is a border between us. If a tax gets adjusted by a at the border, then people will pay tax at the border and it can pay for the wall. However, that's not what a border adjustable tax is. It's really kind of a misnomer unless you're inside baseball on tax. A border adjustable tax means there is a disallowance of deduction for anything imported. Not just Mexico, not just Canada, the UK, Australia, Brazil, Venezuela, anywhere. If, if you make a motorcycle in this country and you are getting parts from other places in the world, right now a corporation can deduct the cost of those parts and whatever it took to get those parts here, so the cost of transportation on getting those parts inside the United States. Under, under the Brady Ryan plan, they would not be able to deduct the cost of those parts. So that's, that's on sort of the smaller level, if you're buying pieces from other places to manufacture what you have here. Then you've got retailers, which is really the other end of the spectrum, uh, and those are people that import completely finished goods. They're the targets of the world and the Walmarts of the world um, and the fashion 
houses of the world, um, if they, they're bringing in whole goods, meaning they would not be able to deduct the cost of goods from their taxes. Which means so if you're you, telling me my t- my TVs at Walmart are gonna that's exactly, go up in price. That's exactly what I'm telling you, All Blake, right. is if they if we're paying nineteen ninety nine for a remote control car, let's say, but it now it's gonna cost them twenty percent more to bring it in, we're gonna get charged more. But as part of the blueprint, uh, they believe and some people believe it and some people don't believe it and some people believe it but don't trust in it and that is the value of the dollar will go up so your dollar will buy more fewer dollars will buy more goods um but i can i completely understand where the retail industry is on this and unless you're an exporter because the great thing about being an exporter under the brady um Ryan blueprint is that you won't have to pay taxes on what you make from exporting. They want us to make things here and sell them to other countries. It doesn't mean that other countries aren't going to retaliate and have an import tax from our exports, but the, but that's not what this this blueprint is about. Yeah. Don, the primary so, impetus for this um, is what is um, that's thank you, Howard, for for getting me in that direction. The primary impetus for this is our companies, U.S. companies, have been what we call inverting. They've been um, being bought or buying out or somehow merging with companies from other countries who have lower corporate tax rates. And instead of their intellectual property and everything being done here in the U.S., they're they're considered domiciled in another country with a lower corporate tax rate. So they can still sell and do business in the United States. They just don't have to be part, they will tax them, the United States will tax them here and wherever they go. If they're domiciled in Ireland, let's say, the United States can't do anything about it. They're not a US company anymore. They can still do all their business in the US and pay Ireland taxes in Ireland, US taxes in the US, and, and inversions, both Republicans and Democrats, both houses, have seen as, I'm using air quotes now, unpatriotic. Uh, and so that's the impetus for this. And, and so what else can we, can we expect to see? Because we're, you mentioned earlier, lowering the corporate tax rate is sort of priority number one. Um, what else can we expect to see uh, in a bill? And then Howard, I wanna get your take on where we're, where we're gonna see gaps in the in, in, in the support structures for something like this. What well, else is going to let, let me just finish focusing on the blueprint because that's where we're going to start. No matter what we end up seeing, we're absolutely going to be starting at the blueprint. Again, not because everybody loves it, but one, because Brady and Ryan, the House Ways and Means Chairman, that's the Chairman of the Tax Writing Committee in the House, and the Speaker of the House both like this. So this, that's, that's the beginning. Um, and the, I'd mentioned the border adjustment tax, which really is a disallowance on deduction of imported goods. Um, I know it sounds like, oh, I'm at the border, I'm paying a tax, like a toll. No, 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 that's not how, how it is, trust me. It's a disallowance of, of deduction. Um, the, uh, another major part of the Brady bill, uh, the Brady blueprint, I should stop calling it a bill because there is no legislative language yet, <laughs> but the, the blueprint is that interest on debt would not be able to be deducted. And that is a huge problem for capital heavy industries. 
um, and the financial services industry who loves to issue debt and doesn't want a disincentive on issuing debt. Um, they are right now debt and equity financing are treated equally under the tax code. Uh, but under the Brady Bill, uh, equity financing would be treated better than debt financing. And a lot of these capital heavy industries, when I say capital heavy, with a lot of buildings, with a lot of power plants, with a lot of pipelines, um, they have a nice balance, most of them, if they're in good financial shape, of debt and equity financing. And they need to, if not being able to deduct the interest from your loans could end up closing doors for some companies. And agriculture, for example, I mean, you don't, just like you don't buy a house with cash, you put down a piece of it, equity, and you finance the rest of it, debt. They do the same thing with farms. And if small farmers can't pay, can't deduct the interest from the note that they took out on their farm, what happens to ag? And the, the key thing here is that there aren't any carve-outs or there aren't any exceptions to the rule for any reason in the Brady blueprint. And Brady and Ryan have been stalwart. God bless them. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. No, we're not doing any carve-outs. And now a lot of that is not just because they believe in this and they believe it's the right thing, but because the World Trade Organization will have a lot to say about how we tax imports and exports. And once you start carving out pieces of their house of cards or pulling out cards, it's going to fall apart for the WTO. So it's a place to start. They're being very, like I said, stalwart about it, but why should they, why should they negotiate with themselves? They know that this is not something that can fly in the Senate. So they're basically saying, this is what's going to come from the House. But it's hard because you know, if your constituents are Target or Best Buy or utilities, or it's hard to vote yes when there are provisions in this bill that. Yeah, yeah. Howard. I mean, that's what I. That's what I want to. I really want to want to talk about is is the is the the political calculus here because there are there are a lot of constituencies to manage in a tax reform bill. Um, and Don, I think, has done a great job of identifying all the various constituencies that are affected, at least just by the blueprint. And we're, again, to the, to, you know, for our listeners, we haven't even seen legislation yet. But what are your, I mean, what are your well, thoughts? Sounds pretty, sounds complicated. Yeah, I mean, of, of course it is. And I think we've increasingly seen um, members of the United States Senate weighing in particularly on the bat, Don. I know, right? That the, the Senate has nothing to do with it. Right. Yet they're, they're so riled up by it that they're getting out and and coming out hard against it yeah. and sending a signal to the house that they better think twice and you know i think i think one of the structural it's it's more philosophical than structural but impediments to getting something done here is ryan and brady they need to be willing to accept something imperfect they're not going to get a perfect bill that's a that's a, a don't let the good be the enemy of right, the, don't the, per the perfect. The perfect be the enemy, enemy of the, the good. good. Right, exactly. exactly. Don, what do you think about that? Like, how did where where is the compromise position on some of this stuff? How do you raise enough revenue? How do you structure a bill that's eighty percent of what you want, but not a hundred percent? Okay, that's um. Thank you for that easy question. Um, <laughs> What I think needs to happen, and I'm going to go back and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Howard, is 
Let's look at the ACA for a second again. I want to focus on tax reform, but in the ACA, what couldn't the Republicans do? They couldn't get their left and right flanks to get them enough votes to get it over the edge. And Trump was out there, according to a lot of members, you know, negotiating because that's what he does and that's what he's an expert at, but really didn't understand the policy, the policy or the politics. Um, again, it was either charm or threats, charm or threats. Um, and, and, and he, who is, uh, in my belief, not really a rank-and-file Republican. No, he's not a non-rank-and-file Republican. Right, right. Yes, Republican. No, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think what, what needs to happen, and this is, this is the beauty of this, and I hope that, that they latch on to it, and Trump has talked about it, is reaching over the other side of the aisle to the Democrats. Um, that's how the sausage is best made and how you know you want to see it made. And the framers of the Constitution wanted to see it made that way. If you can get some middle-of-the-road Democrats, some middle-of-the-road Republicans, some rank-and-file Democrats, some rank-and-file Republicans, you can pass a bill. So what's in the bill is, is a different story, but it doesn't have to go through reconciliation, which means that the bill is not really going to be tax reform if it goes through reconciliation. And I say that because the process, it's a very technical, in-the-weeds process that I'm sorry to even have to mention to you because there's no reason you should be burdened with the knowledge of reconciliation, <laughs> um, is that it is going to be so narrow and so specific that you can make changes to the tax code but not major changes to the tax code. The alarms are going off for you, Don. I, I, and and, and, and reconciliation. Exactly, the whole, the whole world. world came to a screeching halt. Yeah, I wasn't kidding. It's right. it's a pretty big deal to, to go through this process. That's what they did on the um, Affordable Care Act. But on, for reconciliation, everything must be paid for. When I was on the committee, I worked on the 2001-2003 book tax cuts. That's, those are the kinds of things you can get through on a narrow process of reconciliation. And reconciliation just means that a bill is filibuster proof in the Senate, that you need only 51 votes, a simple majority, whereas every other bill, which is subject to a point of order in the Senate, you need 60 votes for. So being in the majority in the Senate is very cool, but being in the minority of the Senate is plenty cool too. <laughs> because there's plenty you could do. We talked about that quite a bit, Howard. I mean, right. we talked about, about yeah. the, 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 you know, the, the effective minority, and we'll, you know, not to, we'll preview a call for next week when we talk about the Supreme Court nomination of, of Judge Gorsuch and what, mm -hmm. what that looks like. But the minority's playing a, a very, a very prominent role in, in that debate. What do you, what do you sense from, from, from the Democratic perspective? Because as Dawn has pointed out. Republicans in the House are, 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 you know, leading the leading the charge in terms of the blueprint. You've got Sean Spicer coming out and saying, "Well, no, 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 we're driving the train on this." Or yeah, best this. of luck there. Yeah, best of luck, <laughs> John says, and, and, and we, we don't we don't have to invoke the Constitution again. I think we we know who does what. But what do you sense from the Democrats on this? Because right now, sort of the perception walking the halls of Congress and wandering around Washington is that Democrats have their chests chests out a little bit. They're they're feeling they're feeling you know more emboldened uh, after defeating um, 
the Trump Ryan health care plan. Well, the Democrats didn't defeat the Trump Ryan health care plan. Exactly. Democrats stood back, back with Mitch McConnell right. and watched. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Right. Exactly. And um, yeah, they're yeah, their trust they're walking around with their chests out and uh, pretty darn happy because they didn't have to lift a finger, and the thing imploded on itself. Um, you know, I, right now they're not invited to the party. That's the problem. And mm. if they get invited to the party, then they have a decision to make. Does Chuck Schumer play ball with Trump, or does he lead an obstructionist minority in the Senate uh, for the next two years and hope that he comes out even or ahead of where he is today? I think that if you're Chuck Schumer and Trump engages you and you've got Heidi Heitkamp and John Tester and Joe Donnelly that you've got to see get reelected um, next year in states that Trump won last year, um, you, you better think twice. And I, I, I look, I, Don, we've seen this movie a thousand times. People judge an administration and a Congress where it is, by where it is at its low point. Mm-hmm. And they think the world is coming to an end and nothing's going to get better. And I mean, we're two months into this thing. I know, it feels and like two years, It though, feels like it? two years. <laughs> um, but Trump, I think, is more pragmatic than people give him credit for. Oh, I do too. And I think we're going to see, as I said earlier, some White House turnover. We're going to... He doesn't want to have a failed presidency. And whatever he has to do, come hell or high water, he's going to do. Even working with Democrats, which isn't that big of a deal, because he himself has been a yeah. Democrat. He wants yeah, to but, win. But here, he doesn't yeah. care who he wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. But, but, but let's let, let's sort of dig into that a little bit because, you know, I, I go back to the to, to what we saw from healthcare because really it's the only case study so far. Um, but this notion that Trump wants to win, um, the Democrats were not invited to the healthcare party. We know that. Well, why would they? That we were they were repealing the Democrats' bill. Well, but I, th- I I do think though that that the Democrats telegraphed um, during the campaign. Certainly, President Obama and Hillary Clinton both telegraphed that the ACA is not perfect um, and yep. changes needed to be made. Um, now, look, we don't have to debate the politics of whether the yeah they Trump, were politicking too. Yeah, right, right, sure, but 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 it's the truth, and I but, think that everybody yeah, believes it. Right, I mean, I, I I don't I don't think it was disingenuous how you get from A to. I mean, Z think about it. You pass forever. a huge bill, event, right. and as it starts working, you realize, oh, maybe right. we should have done that yeah. instead. You yeah. know, I mean, you, we're always we're always tweaking. in life. We're always tinkering. Right? Yeah, I mean that's that's part of it, but. But here, you know, Howard, you've said Democrats Democrats have to have to be invited to the party, and Trump doesn't want to lose. To Don's point, sort of sort of, sort of combining your 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 theses here, but but Trump's deference to uh, to Paul Ryan and to Tom Price and to others um, certainly didn't lead to a successful outcome. Um, how does he win on this, Don? How do you how do you win on tax reform, knowing that tax reform probably well? How do you win on tax reform if you're Trump? Let me start there. And then if you're Trump, time. you win on tax reform by engaging Chuck Schumer and Ron Wyden, and maybe even Richie Neal, who's probably the Democrat that Republicans love most in, in the House. 
um, you engage the other side and see what their need, what their basic needs are. Um, and I actually, I mean, I have incredible respect for for Paul Ryan um, and Kevin Brady. Uh, but if Ryan were to be the one to get everyone together and jump in here, Howard, if you if you have a, a thought, because I'm kind of spitballing. If Ryan would be the one to lead the effort on tax reform, he's going to have the problem that he had on ACA repeal, keeping his left and his right flank in the same place. Um, whereas if Trump brought the the Dems to the table, he might have a winning combination, but I'm afraid he'd lose the speakership. I mean. He, didn't, he never wanted to be speaker, the poor guy. He was really, you know, forced into it. And I don't know, I don't know if they, I mean, if, if he can't do it, I'm not sure if, in terms of the speakership, making it work with the left and the right. If he can't do it, I don't know that there is someone who can. Um, so I think that they probably, I think honestly that you cast off the, cra- well, not the crazies, but the, the, the hard right, the hard, the extremes. Thank you. Um, and each party and everybody else comes together. And I think Trump can can do that. Trump's not very fond of the Freedom Caucus right now. And for him to be able to say, you know what, I don't need you people. I can get some Dems. So Trump actually is in a position where he can get some Ds. And I'll tell you that Schumer and Ryan actually get along very well. I, I, they wouldn't. They'd be pretty happy working together. I think. Um, I mean, I certainly. And Biden and, oh and yeah. Ryan, yeah. They, I mean, these are all like very reasonable people. They're all negotiators at heart. Uh, and, and I think that they can get a bipartisan bill. But I will mention one thing that's interesting is that the Freedom Caucus, first of all, one of the members dropped out yeah. after um, Poe, po, after the ACA repeal um, and or the ATA repeal failure. And is it Mark Meadows, mm-hmm. the, the head of the Freedom Caucus, said, I'd be fine doing a tax reform bill that isn't paid for. Right. 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 I mean, that was that was one thing I did want to, I, I, Howard, I wanted to get your take on because it, 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 the preview may be that tax reform doesn't need to be revenue neutral. If, this if it's is, reconciliation, it does, but right, otherwise, but, right. yeah. But, but if, if the carrot is tied to infrastructure, does it present an opportunity to pull some of those Democrats along? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And tax reform presents an opportunity. There are there are things that Dems want in tax reform. They want middle class tax cuts. Um, the only thing that they really don't like is the tax cuts for the wealthy. And that's hard on that's hard for the Republicans to vote for in both houses. Yeah. I mean I I guess everybody's looking at um, the the healthcare bill is a spectacular failure, which it was for the Republicans, but it wasn't for the system. It wasn't for the Constitution. And this is the way the system is set up. The system is set up to avoid the tyranny of the majority. It's set up to push people to, to work together, to negotiate. That's how the sausage gets made. And so I look at the the healthcare bill as a wake up call. It's a wake-up call for an administration that needs to get more realistic and not say stupid things like we're going to have tax reform done by August, which there's no <laughs> I wanted to ask about chance. timeline. You took yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's just tax law. It's it's not an appropriations like, here, let's write a check for a road. I mean, I'm simplifying appropriations there, but 
tax takes years. Like I've worked on tax projects for years before things get done. Um, and they have, I mean, people have been working over like the past 10 years on tax reform. Dave Camp, when he was chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, had a draft. In fact, I think that's what the Senate will end up working from. It's a much more traditional kind of tax reform than the blueprint. You're not changing major policy, uh, but but you but there are industries that get hurt in order. It is revenue neutral. Let's just say that. But I do think that that everybody should dust off their their camp drafts um, and start looking at that as opposed to what that the House is doing. Oh, even though the House may use the blueprint, may move the blueprint through committee. Right, right. And so I would say don't, it's going to get scary. People who are afraid of the blueprint are going to be very afraid before things calm down a little bit. And that is when, just like Howard was saying, this is how like the Constitution is supposed to work. Once it goes to the Senate, the Senate's going to go, this is, this is nutty, crazy stuff. They've already said it. We can't do this. And that's the, the reason the Senate was created to, to kind of tamp down on the, to moderate yeah, the house. Yeah, to moderate the house, exactly. So Don, if you're in the let's say you're in the real estate uh, industry today or you're in financial services, what are you what are you looking at? What are you watching? What are you most okay. concerned with on, um, on tax reform? Good question. Uh, let's start with real estate. If I'm commercial real estate, I'm concerned about the Brady blueprint interest or non-deduction of interest uh, individually if the bill has to be paid for I'm concerned about non-deductibility of individual mortgage interest or cat like like the a cap on deductions I would I would call it Are they really gonna take away <clears throat> our mortgage interest deduction I, I, I mean I, <laughs> I mean, Howard, if I had a crystal ball, I could tell you all of this. All I'm saying it's so toxic. It's weirdly in play. Like it's it's weirdly in play. And the same thing with with charitable. I mean, there are three things you could take on your individual uh, income tax deductions. Your mortgage interest, charitable deductions, and state and local taxes. Um, capping the deductions for charities is going to ruin charities because that means the federal government would have to step in where right now wealthy people are building the the hospitals and the research centers and reviving you know old rundown downtowns into more vibrant areas i mean the deductions that i give will put a picture on the wall of a hospital but it won't build the hospital and you're disincentivizing them the 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 deduction for charitables um, is an incentive for the for everyone to give, but who, who the people who are going to give the most are the ones that have the most. And in a lot of cases, and I'm not saying that people aren't giving because of their hearts are good and they care about these issues and they care about their legacies. But there's a reason that 60% of all charitable donations come in in the fourth quarter. So let's just say that. <laughs> um, so it's hard to say I'm going to cap charitables without capping interest deduction, or they might say, I'm going to cap deductibles, choose your path. You want your charities, take them. You want your interest deduction, take them. That is an, an option. I don't like any of it. I'm just saying that's out there. Right. Um, so for real estate, I'm concerned both um, individually and commercially. 
for what was the second financial, financial services. services same thing same industry i mean you're talking about people who are loaning people money in order to buy capital in order to buy concrete and steel howard i, I want to get your thoughts i mean we've identified the things that that industry ought to think about what do you what do you do about it i always come back to engagement yeah. um what are your what are your thoughts about about how to get engaged with this you hire us <laughs> and Don. Uh, that's, you know, we formed this partnership with with Don um, specifically because um, of tax reform, and, and it's it's a it's going to be the biggest issue in town for the rest of the year. At um, least the rest of the year. At least the rest of the year into into twenty eighteen. And I have to give you a lot of credit, Howard, because when you reached out to me for this, I mean, I think that was very forward thinking um, because probably every one of your clients is affected. Yeah, and you need- Or you, will be affected. You need to be engaged, you need to, look, there are there are these massive issues, but then there are these, and Don, you should speak to this, there are all sorts of issues that are deep in the weeds that people need to be educated on, they need to be thinking about, they need to be, rate, that members need to understand the issues that are gonna impact their constituents. And you need to be heard. I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And um, let me touch on some of those smaller issues. Um, wind, uh, the wind uh, incentive, the wind production tax credit, solar. Think about all of your little energy tax credits, which you know are ticks on the butt of the dog right now because we're talking about huge things like changing a worldwide taxation system that we have in America to a territorial taxation system. And if people have questions on that, I can, I'm happy to go much more into depth on the big issues. I don't but, think this will be the only call we have about tax. Um, yeah. So we'll get more into it. The little issues where we create tax incentives to, to grow industries, to grow American industries, um, where the, there are consumer tax credits. Again, I think I'm always thinking like in the energy sector, it's what I, one of the things I handled on the Hill and uh, many of my clients are, are in that sector. We need to think about, we need to think about moving power. We need to think about and using the tax code, you know, to incentivize. The tax code is a social document. It basically says, if you're married, we're giving you a break. If you have kids, we're giving you a break. If you adopt, we're giving you a break. Um, if you invest in wind and solar energy, we're gonna help subsidize that. We're not gonna pay for it fully. It's not an appropriation. We're not gonna write a check and say, here is the check for this. But through tax credits and tax incentives, which include deductions as well, uh, it's the federal government saying, you know what? I like what you're doing. I like where your head is. We are not willing to pay for it straight out with cash, but we are willing to share some of the pain. And that is why tax credits exist. They are going to, if you get a tax credit, if you do something that is worthy of a tax credit, research and development, perfect example, because it's the sacred cow of tax credits and it's only gonna get bigger and, and more robust. If you do that and you have a tax credit, um, it's the federal, it's, it's money that you would otherwise be paying to the federal government you're taking a credit for on your tax bill. If you have a $300 tax credit and you owe the federal government $1,000, you will only be remitting $700 to the government. So it's the government losing tax revenue. 
And what they're doing in those credits is saying, we're willing to lose that bit of tax revenue in order to forward this policy, in order to stop pretending that we're friends with Saudi Arabia and we, we want to stop needing the oil from the Middle East. So that's where I think a lot of the renewable stuff is coming from. It's saying, you know, we're willing to change our tax position and collect less for you to do what we think is right. I think it's helpful to step back again and think about this um, in addition to the, the social, from a social policy perspective, from an economic policy perspective. It's, it's the economy that drove Donald Trump to the presidency. It's, it's the economy, stupid. And it's, uh, no, it, it's, um, it's people who are down on their luck and suffering through hard times because jobs have been offshored and growth is slow and we've been through a difficult time as a nation um, with the bailout. You saw firsthand. I saw firsthand. And people are rightly, they, they were pissed off and they took that out on the incumbents in in 2016. They took it out on 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 the D's, and um, I think that has a lot to do with where we are today. Now they need to show something. They need to get the economy juiced up and moving. And the tax code is one way they think of increasing. Well, there are growth. only two ways. You either pay with cash or use the tax code to incentivize behavior. Yeah, and they're clearly not going to be paying more with cash. They want to shrink government. Mm -hmm. In fact, even the infrastructure program, which normally gets paid for by cash, Trump is really focusing on public-private partnerships and getting private investors. And I think, you know, he has a really good chance of success. He is a negotiator. He, the problem is he negotiates in the real world. And he came and moved to Oz. And it's even more Oz. Like, we speak a completely different language. And that's when I, when I say he got schooled on the ACA repeal, he did because he had no idea how it all worked. Once this guy figures out how this works, and that's, it's, that's for him to find out, it's for advisors. He needs to listen to the right you know, his right advisors. Um, once he figures this out, I think that, that he, we have the potential of making some good laws. It's in no one's interest that Trump fails. And, and look, I mean, calling a bunch of, calling the Freedom Caucus into the White House and telling Steve Bannon, telling them, thou shalt vote for this bill, is like, it just, yeah. It's Congressional Relations 101. <laughs> and I, I've seen people um, on the inside that have done it really well, and I've seen people that have done it extremely poorly. And how you do it actually matters. How you talk to these people matters. What you tell them matters. And they've got to be more sophisticated in, in their approach. I absolutely agree. In fact, I was, it's, it's embarrassing a little bit, especially as someone who is inside baseball here. I just kind of shook my head ruefully yeah, when I all mean, this happened. The executive branch never wants to work with Congress. They're overseen by Congress. Congress is... Um, always biting at their heels. It's this is there's always a tension. The people that do it successfully are people in the executive branch that um, swallow their pride and go up to Capitol Hill and bow at the feet of people that represent you know congressional districts 
and make them feel like they're the most important people in the world, even though they're not. That's how you do this. I know it's so sad, but you're so right. It, I mean, it is what it, <laughs> it is. is. Like, it is what it is, and I realize, you know, that's what I do for a living. And uh, no, it is. But it is there's there is a there's there's a dance that's done here. This is like I said, we are a completely different world inside the the Beltway. It's a different language. It's a different rhythm. It's a different way of doing things. And, and Mnuchin and Bannon and Gary Cohn. Yeah, I mean, they need to sit up and take notice and rethink how they're approaching things. Well, it'll be, it, look, this, this is a fascinating debate. It's a fascinating topic. It is, it is, um, it is difficult uh, to be sure, both policy-wise and, and, and on the political side, which means we'll be back together talking about this. But you know, it's also again. scary, Blake. Like, I have a lot of clients who are genuinely afraid for their businesses. Um, the Brady blueprint has scared a lot of people. I mean, one, everybody hate, you know, everyone's afraid of change. But this is change that you can point to in certain industries that could close doors. You know, it's not just about, oh, can I buy this new piece of equipment? And you should be able to. We, we, we want to encourage people to buy the new equipment and hire more people. Um, but these are things that would close doors here. And to think that we can be... A manu- like the manufacturing capital of the world. We've got labor issues here, um, training issues here. I mean, I realize that China does it so much cheaper than we do, but there's also a reason you can't breathe in Beijing. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I, 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 that is actually why you can't breathe in Beijing is the topic for next week. <laughs> That's what we're going to do next week. Well, Look, we've reached we've reached our limit. I, I want to Don. I want to thank you so much for, oh, for no, joining us. Certainly, the the partnership that we have with you will will be great and beneficial to 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 us and 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 to our clients. Yeah, and, we, uh, I want to help. To the we debate. Help. So um, we'll we'll certainly look forward to to your continued thought uh, and analysis as as we track uh, tax reform. Howard, as always, great to be with you. Thanks, Blake. Um, thanks for your insight. For everyone thanks, listening, Don. we appreciate you. Uh, taking the time to join us. Comments, questions, always welcome. Uh, presidential analysis at Cozen.com. And uh, otherwise, thanks again, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week.